This presentation was from Yorks Australia 2017, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit yorksaustralia.com.au. All right, without any further ado after that, Cara, if you're ready. Excellent. Please join me in welcoming Cara from Google. Thank you. So, sorry about that. I have no idea what happened and why I didn't want to talk to my computer, but we're all working now. So um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about helping participants actually participate. And I was thinking about this in the context of diary studies. But as I was writing this, I sort of thought, well, this is probably something that you can think about, not just for diary studies, but any time that you're actually working with participants. I guess for me, diary studies are just some of the longest kinds of research that you can do. And it's also some of the most expensive kind of research that you can do. You've got participants for a long period of time. You're paying them a fair amount of money to try and keep them in, engaged and to keep them involved as well. So when you're doing something that doesn't really help them actually participate in your study, it has the most impact on your clients and the cost to your business and your project as well. So there I am. My name's Cara. Um, I'm a user experience researcher at Google. And you can tweet me at seeddifferenti. So I'm going to start off with telling you a bit of story about a diary study that I ran recently. Now, as with diary studies or with working with participants at all, you have to recruit like at least two, maybe even three weeks before you run your study. And as it is with projects most of the time, when you start recruitment, you don't entirely know what you're going to do. You're sort of like, yeah, I've got a vague idea. I know just enough to be able to initiate recruitment and start getting things going. So I spoke to our recruiter and I said to them, you know what, it's going to run for nine days. I think I'm going to need about 20 participants, so I'll get them to recruit for 24. And each day, people are going to have to commit about 10 minutes of their time. And I hadn't really decided how that 10 minutes was going to play out, but I thought 10 minutes seems reasonable. I think I can get what I need from that 10 minutes. So we kicked off recruitment. I gave them a fantastic recruitment spec covering the kinds of people that I wanted to make sure I had a broad cross-section of the population. And we started recruiting. And as that process started, I was like, right, now I need to actually think about what I'm going to do with these people once they sign up. So as recruiting was running, I was like, yep, all right, we're going to do four one-minute videos every single day. They're going to take up to five photographs, and they're going to complete a really short survey at the end of the day. And that was going to add up to around 10 minutes. I was hoping a little bit less. I got some colleagues to do the tasks that I was asking for just to make sure that 10 minutes was about right. And yeah, it was pretty good. So I was feeling great. <laughs> I've got the study sorted out, I've got my participants being recruited, lots of people were signing up, everyone seemed really excited to do the study, and the tasks were not only within the time frame that I thought they were, but also that they were going to collect what I actually needed to be able to answer all of my research questions and make my stakeholders happy. So, pretty awesome as far as the study goes, and I got all the participants set up and together and sent them out a, an email to say, welcome to the study, this is actually what's going to play out, this is how you're going to be involved for this nine days. And then I started getting emails from some of the participants, and the first one was, well, I'm not really comfortable with the amount of personal information that's required. Uh, the amount of personal information they were required to provide was actually explained to them as part of the recruitment screener, but this particular person wasn't comfortable about it. Um, someone else was actually going away for the weekend, and sadly, the study required them to be in the home that they were, you know, the place that they lived in. And as part of the recruitment, I'd ask them where they lived, but sadly, this person was in a different state for the weekend, which wasn't necessarily going to work for the tasks that I had. And someone else was just like, "Hey, I've got a lot of work on. I don't know if I can do everything that you're asking me to do." Which, on one side, for me, I was like, "Well, it's still 10 minutes a day." 
it's still fitting into the time frame that I gave you, but this person felt like, oh, I'm just not going to be able to fit in what you're actually asking. Now, I can tell you now that the diary study was a success, and I did collect a whole bunch of information that I actually wanted in the end, and I was able to answer those research questions, but I wasn't entirely feeling great about the whole thing. Some participants were dropping out, and I felt like I hadn't, I hadn't comprehensively communicated to the people who were volunteering to participate in this study exactly what was involved. So this happens to me pretty much every time I run a diary study. There's always something that you don't necessarily anticipate that's going to come up. Someone's got a problem with your task. You think something's really clear and it's not. That's part of why we all have jobs is because it's really hard to communicate and get the right message across. But what I wanted to take you through today is just some lessons and things that I now try and reflect on when I'm like running a diary study or any other form of testing just to try and catch some of those problems early on. So there's going to be five points that I'm going to cover today. And the first one I'm going to start with is just evaluating and communicating effort and some things that you can think about around that. Um, this will be up at the end as well if you guys do want to take pictures of it or wish you'd taken a picture and missed out. So evaluating and communicating effort. As I just talked about, it's generally more than just time and the time commitment that you're asking for people. Um, I work on a tight daily schedule, I won't have time to fit this into my day. This is something that I've had from a participant back, not necessarily from the diary study that I talked about, but this is quite a common comment. So I think we need to think about the effort that's involved in completing the tasks that we're actually asking participants to do. And the first one we need to think about is the effort of actually switching between tasks. So getting participants to complete one large activity during, like, as part of the study versus multiple smaller activities. So you might have one 10-minute activity or two five-minute activities. And obviously, the more activities that you, you ask someone to complete, the more effort that's going to take for that person. I'm not saying that it's better to only do one large activity, but if you're doing smaller activities, it's just good to keep in mind that that's additional effort. It's still 10 minutes but the perception of it, that effort is higher. Another one is around the effort of actually spreading tasks across the day. So getting a participants to complete one large activity or a couple of smaller activities at one point in time during that day is very different from getting them to complete smaller activities throughout the day because they've got to think about your study continuously rather than just setting aside some time at one point in their day to complete the tasks that you're asking them to do. So again, that creates more effort. Another one is actually around the effort of completing tasks, and I'm sure a number of you are aware of Jacob Nielsen's recognition versus recall. So the same sort of principle applies to getting people to complete tasks. Reminding participants, hey, you need to complete this task now, is a lot easier for them than expecting them to remember to complete a task. So I, I ran a diary study a while ago where I wanted participants to complete a little mini survey around their experience with using an app when they used the app. And unfortunately, I wasn't actually able to remind them at the end of when they closed that app down, hey, can you fill out this survey? And as a consequence, I got very little responses because despite the fact that everybody would touch on and use that app every day, the effort of remembering after they've used it to actually go and fill out the form meant that I got some responses, but nowhere near as much as I would have liked. Another one is around actually just the kind of information that you're asking participants to record. Um, I'm sure you can all, if you think about the, the level of comfort you might have with filling out a form or a survey versus taking a video of yourself, um, the level of personal comfort in actually recording that information can determine you know, how difficult or perceived difficulty a task is. So obviously more impersonal methods are generally easier and less effortful than personal methods. 
So I wanted to go on now and chat a bit about selecting the right task structure. So I sort of talked about different tasks and the different levels of effort that they can have, but actually thinking about like how you're gonna structure tasks together is really important as well. And the first thing to think about is that you've probably alluded to this already, you need to make tasks easy and low effort to complete. That doesn't mean finding all of the most minimal effort tasks that you can and jamming them into a diary study, but it's just about thinking, well, if I've got this high effort task here, I want participants to have to remember to respond to something, what else can I do to try and structure that study so that there's lower effort in other areas and other places as well? Um, another round is around make, structuring activities and staggering incentives so that you can actually ensure that participants are going to respond and they're going to continue to respond. Um, I used to run diary studies where I would just pay everybody a big sum of money at, at the end, um, but I've now since started to stagger how I actually give pe incentivize people. So I'll let participants know you finish this component, you'll get this amount, you finish the next component, you get a little bit more, and then if you finish everything, you get this additional incentive at the, at the end as well. And that tends to help with maintaining engagement and getting participants to continue through the end. Um, things like frequency as well really help with that too. And finally, uh, build variety and interest into the study as well. So if you're doing a diary study where participants are filling out exactly the same survey for nine days straight, every single day logging in and answering exactly the same questions, it's probably gonna get a bit monotonous. And even though it might be really easy and it's, they only have to do it at one point during the day, you might end up with a comment like this, which is what I had when I had a diary study running for two weeks, asking them about their experience every day with a particular app. Um, Towards the end of the study, everyone was either not re responding to the survey or writing very similar things to this, which is just the same thing that I said yesterday, the day before that, and the day before that too. So making it a little interesting, maybe changing up those tasks kind of helps with, with trying to keep participants engaged and continuing to give you responses. So moving on to our third point, thinking outside the participant box. And this is one that seems obvious when you talk about it, but isn't necessarily obvious at the time. So one thing that's really important to consider when you're recruiting participants and you've written your script and you've worked out what kinds of participants you want is the actual physical location of where they're going to be. So as I mentioned earlier, asking participants where they live isn't necessarily where they're going to be when they're completing the diary study for you in that two-week period. So it's important to check with them that they're going to be at their home or at their work or wherever you're wanting them to be. Another one is to think about public events. I ran a, unfortunately ran a diary study right at the end of the year towards Christmas, and I was hoping participants would have a relatively consistent schedule, and I had videos of participants who were actually giving me, like, responding to their tasks drunk because they'd been to Christmas parties, which was hilarious to watch. However, <laughs> not really what I was wanting, so I hadn't really thought about what that time of year was going to do in terms of the responses that I was getting. And another one to think about is the tools that participants are actually going to have available. Um, I made the mistake in one diary study of, of assuming that um, everybody was going to have pen and paper at home and I had one participant who unfortunately did not. And I should have considered this because we're trying to move towards paperless society and paperless work and I wanted them to have pen and paper. So I actually had to allow them to complete a task when they got back to work on Monday and they could access those two things. So yeah, some stuff that you only really come across and think about once you've had someone tell you that. Um, so second to last point that I wanted to make was around keeping it human. So 
letting people know that there's actually a person behind the operation is really important and also super useful in terms of helping them realize that if they're not responding to a task that you've crafted carefully for them, that there's actually a sad person at the other end who's kind of, you know, wishing that they'd responded. Um, I try and do this by email. When I email or contact participants, everyone kind of knows you can fill in someone's name at the top of an email and then just have like a standard response on underneath. I try and personalize and customize them. If they've got an interesting name or they've got something else, I'm like, hey, is your name Russian? Or something along that to make them feel like they're not just a number. Um, another way to go about doing this is like, hey, you know, thanks so much for completing your entry today. Here's a comment or an observation I've made about your entry. So they know that not only is there a person running the operation, but they're actually reading everything that they're doing every single day as well. Really helps them think, well, I'm going to let this person down if I don't continue. Um, another one is around recognizing and using preferences that your participants have for communicating. So um, if your participant prefers to be contacted via SMS over email, then make sure that you're able to accommodate that as well. Because again, it's about trying to keep it human in how you're actually running the study. Um, so yeah, asking people about which email address, what's going on, and you can ask that at the beginning of the study as well, and again initiate, initiates that conversation. If you're chatting with 50% of your participants on a whole bunch of different email threads and SMSs by the end of your diary study, you're going to have the most number of responses. And so that's always a good sign if you're completely overwhelmed with emails from your participants about random stuff that has nothing to do with the diary study. <laughs> Um, and my final point is around giving lots of feedback, and this kind of plays into the second to last point around keeping it human, but it's really, really important that you give your participants lots of love, sending them lots of reminders, being really understanding when they aren't able to respond to tasks on a particular day or they forget, um, being willing to move tasks around a little bit. Um, the guy who wasn't able to complete a task on the weekend because he didn't have pen and paper completed the task on Monday instead, and I was able to shift the diary study around to do that. I wasn't really anticipating it at the time, but um, that ability to be flexible with the diary study and move tasks around just makes it easier for participants and helps them feel like, like you're supporting them and reading what they're doing and valuing it at the same time. So back to my diary study that I talked about at the beginning of the session, I wanted to chat about some things that I reflected on that I would do different next time. And the first one is around managing task expectations. I told participants 10 minutes. I probably should have told them 10 minutes spread across the day in tiny little increments um, where you're probably going to be taking videos of yourself and you should kind of be cool with that. And if you're not, maybe this isn't the diary study for you. Um, I also could have, should have probably confirmed where they were all located. I did have a participant who was on holidays at the time, which didn't, we kind of made it work, but the, the information that they provided wasn't really what I was after. And then also, and I, I mentioned this earlier, overemphasizing the use of video and photography and how I was actually collecting information because it was more personal, and some participants were a little uncomfortable about it as well. So that was everything that I wanted to cover today. I know we were running a bit late, so I don't think we have time for questions. Yeah, we can do questions like grab Cara, lunchtime, yep. time, that kind of thing for questions. And that will uh, thank you for like tightening that up <laughs> and get us back back on time because it's it's really great to be able to run on time. It makes it all awesome. So yeah, grab her at breaks. Um, give us some applause because she did a great job. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from UX Australia 2017. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.